0: Hello and welcome to the Classroom Critics Podcast, a podcast by teachers who secretly wish they were film studies students at one point. My name is Bill Ivers. I'm joined today with uh, two esteemed colleagues, Mr. Michael Mulvey and Mr. Walter Freeman. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Thanks. Today we're going to discuss a uh, little film you may have heard of called Star Wars, Um a film, for me personally, um, I really identify it with uh, my upbringing, my, child, my childhood, um, and uh, today we'll point out some of the uh, the merits of the film, the story, the characters, um, directorial techniques, and anything we have to say about it. So, um, I don't know let's let's just share some of our, our personal memories of the film and, and, you know, what it meant to us when we were younger, and, you know, for me, again, uh I was, you know, not, I was a baby when it first came out, so I really don't remember it initially. Um, but certainly, when I was a little bit older, the, um, you know, the following movies, uh, you know, I remember actually going to see for the first time uh, *Return of the Jedi* in the in the theater, and it was one of my early film-going experiences that I can I can kind of remember. But I just remember just getting the toys and just it being just a, just a really huge thing. And it's just one of those cultural phenomenons that I really identify with my, my, my childhood personally. But what about you? Any, any memories? any?
1: Oh, I do, yeah. When I was 10 years old, that's when it came out. And there was only one theater in Nashville at the time. Well, actually there were a couple, but the one down at the Nashville Mall was where it showed.
2: I remember, um,
1: I don't remember going to see it. I remember having a t shirt from it that I wore all the time that summer and wore it to the beach because we vacationed at Hampton that summer. One thing I didn't do was buy the figurines, and I always kick myself for not having done that. Maybe a but rich man. Yeah, exactly, especially if I kept them in the box. But, you know, I just, yeah, I went to go see all those sequels as well. And, you know, I remember waiting with anticipation for the first of the prequels to come out, you know, and counting the days, like 100 days down or whatever, to get to that point or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, So it was definitely something that resonated in my my life as well. I think it's a perfect movie as far as that goes. It's entertaining, it's smart, it's fun, you know, everything everything that a movie should be, Mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely.
2: I'm the elder statesman of the group, so I remember seeing it when I was 17. I was a junior in high school, and I just remember everyone becoming obsessed with it. It was just, we had never seen anything like it. Um, and I remember going to see it repeatedly, and it was the first movie I uh, ever bought the soundtrack to. It was a double album, and I remember owning it, and the only two tracks I ever played on it were the opening theme and the cantina, the the jazz piece. So uh, it was just phenomenal. And and, um, Star Wars, as I said, came out when I was a junior in high school. By the time Return of the Jedi came out, I had uh, already moved away from home. I was living in Virginia, and so that kind of was that movie was that arc of my life where I was going from living at home to being on my own and just uh, just remember it was a, a tremendous film mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: absolutely and which kind of brings us to I think uh, something to address off the bat here is why is the film considered such a phenomenon, like what about it I mean obviously film history is filled with many great films but there aren't many that sort of transcend the the genre and become, you know, borderline a religion, you know, Mm -hmm. for a lot of people. I mean, this film means a lot to many, many people.
1: I think it appeals to that type of, you know, for lack of a better term, nerdy guy that, you know, loves outer space and, you know, like all that type of thing. But also, I think, you know, when stuff, reading about things about the film, you know, it's filmed as a classic Western, so it has a classic storyline of a film. And, you know, it genuinely appeals to all types of people because there's a strong female character. There's, you know, strong male characters, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's not just one, you know, gender that's going gravitating towards it. Um, perhaps, it was you know, I think there's an element of every little boy's fantasy type of thing to kind of go around and shoot, you know, weapons or whatever like that. But I think for the most part, it has universal appeal, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I think the first prequel that came out, I felt like when while I was watching it, that I was just essentially watching a video game. But it didn't feel like that with Star Wars. I felt like it had a good story behind it, you know, that there was care taken to the movie itself Mm -hmm. to tell a genuine story and you know to kind of be a classic film at the same time.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think we have to start with the story, right? I mean, it's just a a timeless, fantastic story. You know, Uh, I'm sure we'll get into it more, but it really uh, carries on that. Hero tale, monomyth mm-hmm. tradition that seems to resonate with every every culture, and uh, Star Wars, at least with, you know, in modern times, kind of does it better, you know, than than lots of other stories. And um, uh, what, what about you, Mr. Freeman?
2: Well, I just found it was interesting because. It was both familiar and pioneering at the same time. Like you had said, it's a classic Western. That's one of the things I remember my mom was the first thing she said to me after the Han Solo shootout with Greedo in the bar. She says, this is just a Western. And when I went back, I started looking at those elements of the film and saying, you know, okay, this is your typical story. This is your hero journey, your archetype character, but we'd never seen it in this universe before. And And I remember seeing specials on how Lucas filmed... Um, the, the aerial sequences the, the dogfights and yet he was pioneering camera techniques, you know, moving the camera past a still object to simulate movement but he was basing his shots and angles on World War II dogfight films. So I think that it appealed to a lot of audiences because we saw things we'd never seen before but yet it was also oddly familiar and so there was a mass appeal. I mean folks from my mom's generation could watch it, my generation could watch it and we're all having, you know, something appealing to it about us. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Something
1: appealing to us about it.
0: Yeah, right, yeah.
1: Well, there's also the what the Kurosawa influence as well. <coughs> you know, the characters, what, the Japanese fairy tale, the Enchanted Forest or something like that. Yeah. So there was that, you know, kind of borrowing from other myth as well. Right. You know, and, um, you know, it is classic classic mythology, you know.
0: Right, right. Um, the You know, one of the original concepts, I guess, um, from what I've, read and heard uh, from in Luke, you know, from Lucas in interviews that the original concept um, was this idea of looking at like this major revolution or, or rebellion in space from the perspective of seemingly minor characters uh, because if you think about it, the first, whatever, 15, 20 minutes of the film, it's really kind of from the perspective of two droids and this idea that you can um, kind of get this um, you know this this story of uh, uh, of a larger picture, a larger rebellion, from the from the eyes of two minor characters. And I believe that the Kurosawa film that he kind of nicked that from, at least initially, I think it was Hidden Fortress. I think is yeah. the is the uh, the film. Uh, could be mistaken on that. But uh, the idea in that film, uh, you have the, you know a couple basic you know basically slaves who are um, followed, and there's like this this grander revolution happening around them. But of course, the the film um, is quickly handed off to uh, to you know becomes Luke's story. You know, obviously, you know, pretty soon after that. So, um, you know, what about Star Wars being released at this particular point? I think when it comes to um, great achievements, sometimes uh, timing makes all the difference. And I think Star Wars certainly was a uh, uh, recipient of great great timing during this uh, period, 1977, um, as you said. Uh, well, there was nothing like it at that time. Um,
2: you know what what was going on around this time uh, well, in the film world. You had referenced before we started recording that Spielberg had really established a summer blockbuster. You had, right. you, know, you you cited Jaws and Close Encounters, and mm-hmm. you know the the big studios were getting back to the thing. We need a very specific type of movie at this time slot, and um, Star Wars seemed to fit the bill. I mean, no one knew it was going to catch on the way it did. Mm-hmm. And I always maintain, you know, it was always intended to be a single film. And then when they realized they had a, a money pit, they were going to extend it, extend the universe. But um, it, it's the perfect summer film. It, it's it's compelling, but it's simple. You know, you eat popcorn and and you watch it. And um, you know, it fit the bill. It wasn't one of those films they release around Christmas or one of those films they release in the fall. It's like a prestige picture. Or whatever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It just uh, and and yet
1: it became one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got nominated for Best Picture and Supporting Actor, Director, et cetera, et cetera. You know, when I show that film and compare, I also show Annie Hall in the class, and I always tell the kids Annie Hall actually won Best Picture over this. And, you know, not to take anything away from Annie Hall or whatever, but the kids are always kind of like, you've got to be kidding me, you know. (laughs) And I just tell them that it said, you know, like, 30 years from now, you'll probably still be watching Star Wars, but, you know, will you be watching Annie Hall again? Perhaps if you're that type of, if you're a film buff, of course, but, sure. mm-hmm. you know, it's not to, again, detract anything from Annie Hall, but...
2: Oh, but if you look at the arc of films after that, I mean, um, everyone was trying to make another Star Wars, right.
1: and... Battlestar Galactica,
2: little yeah. and Annie Hall's not a little film per se, but it was it was not necessarily a, a yeah. giant studio there blockbuster. There were twenty
1: other Annie Halls afterwards, or something.
2: And they, yeah they almost disappeared for a mm-hmm. while. I yep, mean, it, it got to the point when the indie film movement came around. It was new as opposed to being something that had mm-hmm. always been there. Right. I mean, you think about it, it's amazing
0: that Star Wars <clears throat> was ever made. You know, if you think of all the the back history behind the film, um, you know, at this time you have. Uh, just a very different film industry. You have lots of gritty crime dramas, lots of you know, real like
1: Dog Day Afternoon or you know, yeah, like yeah, Serpico, yep. things like that. Yeah.
0: You have Scorsese kind of um,
1: <clears throat> yeah, Taxi you, Driver
0: coming coming on the scene, and you know Coppola with the Godfather films, and mm-hmm. you know Charles Bronson and yeah. the Dirty Harry yeah. movies. Uh, they didn't, they, it didn't seem like uh, a science fiction film would be. Um, would, would, would catch on.
1: No, and I think Lucas and Spielberg always get unfairly kind of categorized as kiddie filmmakers. You know, right. I think it was Henry Yaglum that had actually said, you know, Steven Spielberg only makes pictures for children. Yeah. And I always tell the kids, have you ever seen a Henry Yaglum film? You know, <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, there's nothing, again, taking anything away from him. But, I mean, you know, I think that it has the longevity attached to it as well. It's just that it's ingrained within you know, the appeal of it is so ingrained within American culture to think of like the whole notion of Frontier. Yeah. You know, that's in there as well. Yes. You know? And it's a classic American film and it really, you know, it definitely shows like the best, I think, that Hollywood can put out as well. Right. You know? And the funny thing is like, you know, you tell a little bit of backstories about it because originally the Han Solo part was offered to Al Pacino. Yes. Which is, you know, it's unbelievable to even think of now. You know? <laughs> and of course, you know, because Harrison Ford's so iconic in that role but, you know, yeah. the studio wanted a star, right? You
0: and, know, and wasn't Han Solo supposed to be a
2: an alien creature? Very early drafts, from my understanding, right, um, right. And uh, I just remember when was the last time? I mean, the, the summer blockbuster started. The people waiting in line to see movies. Right. When was the last time you stood around the block, right, to see a film. Yeah, yeah. And, I remember seeing
1: yeah. pictures of like people waiting in line for like The Exorcist. You know, and I remember going to the movies and being, you know, I have a vivid memory of standing in the rain to go see, I think it was The Rescuers, the Walt Disney animated film. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you don't do that anymore. Now you can reserve your seats, <laughs> you know.
0: And even back then, I, I mean, seeing some footage of people waiting in line uh, for Star Wars in 1977, I mean, you, you see people dressing up as characters mm-hmm. even back then. Right. Which um, I'm not sure if, if there's any precedent for that around this time.
1: For any other film prior For, to that time, prior to that,
0: yeah.
2: yeah. What's always neat to me though is when you see a film like they, they came out. Now, right? Star Wars did it, Jaws did it, Close Encounters did it, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark did it. There was no anticipation because there was almost no hype to these films. No. Um, once they became established, then every sequel you know mm-hmm. was so hyped that nothing could live up to the expectation. But when you go into a film with no expectation and you get blown away by what's on the screen that is a very rare event especially yeah, it's today yeah like a bottle yeah, yeah. definitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and what was science fiction at this time I mean uh you know, science fiction was often 2001 I mean yeah I mean that was a uh you know I think an exception of being mm-hmm. a you know a, a great um
1: yeah there were these cheesy first rate you know? movie
0: but most 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 science fiction was yeah, it was like plan which, nine from outer space or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Like yeah. real shoddy, um, mm-hmm.
1: horrible special effects. Yeah, you know, Roger Corman yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know, and I think Lucas is responsible for revolutionizing special effects in film, especially sound technology. It's amazing. You know, the, what he's the legacy that he has for that is just phenomenal. Yeah. Right. You know.
0: Just paying really close attention to the the realism of um, of this world. Right. You know, you no longer can you see the zippers and the costumes of, of the creatures, and you know, or the strings mm-hmm. from the you know hanging from the uh, that the spaceships hung from. You know, it's it's um, well, that's what you I, can believe that world.
2: That's what I thought was lost in the in the prequels was that this was not an inhabited world. This was a world that characters walked in front of and talked. Those green screen world, whereas in Star Wars, and then I think the new one, The Force Awakens, they they show the world as it's as it's being lived. Yeah, people just, living a daily you know, life. Little yeah. shots like those um, in, in The Force Awakens, those those Tie Fighters coming across the lake and they're skimming on the top of the water. Mm. It just just shows there's an interaction to this universe that I, I think went missing. But some folks out there are going to take umbrage at you calling this a science fiction film.
0: That is true too. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, a, technically, uh, it's fa- you know fantasy, a fantasy right? Genre. It's fantasy genre. Uh, especially you know, with the with the force element that gives it a, kind of a mystical quality um, but yeah i mean there are some hardcore science fiction fans who you know have to you know believe that it has to be rooted in in hard science to be considered a science fiction film mm-hmm.
2: i just think it's another thing and a, a, back to a point you you can never see star wars for the first time again and i don't know if you can because you know if you're raised in the generation that sees the prequels first you're going to then get to these films, and, and very clearly made in a different time period with different technology, and you're you know you're going to scratch your head, going well that's you know that's like sort of a devolving quality of filmmaking, and it's not when you see it.
1: Yeah, originally. I think it's so ingrained within our culture, though, that I think that even though I think there's a lot of kids who haven't seen it, you know, and they might have picked it up on a cable. You know, network at some point or another, but even still haven't sat down and watched the full film. Right. It's like whenever I show Godfather, and you know, everybody knows so much about Godfather, but you know, have you ever sat down and watched it unedited, uninterrupted? You know, same likewise with exactly. Star Wars, you know, right. and you know, think of like how much it has been, you know, parodied. You know, we were talking earlier about the Bill Murray, you know, song, or whatever. Um, you know, also like. Even within the everyday vernacular, you know, like you walk into a bar, you see a bunch of odd looking people, you say, this is like the bar in Star Wars. (laughs) So I mean, you know, there's definitely, you know, that type of part, you know, that has become part of American culture and American folklore, too.